Now, the Bible in Isaiah 2 verse 1 tells us that the time will come, I think it's verse 2, that the time will come when the mountain of the Lord's house will be above the mountains of the world. So what we're talking about is that if you read from Revelations, you see that that hallowed sits on seven mountains. And uh, a revelation that has been given to the body of Christ is that there are seven mountains of influence which the body of Christ needs to dominate if we're going to have dominion on earth. There are seven mountains of influence. And, okay, maybe just for their sake, should we go to the hallowed scripture? For, for their sake, eh? Okay, those who've been taken down notes, that's Revelation chapter 1. Sorry? The board, verse what? Okay, let's go there. Revelation 17. Uh, start from verse 5. My soul sings. On her forehead a name was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of all harlots, and of the abominations of the earth. Babylon, you can trace that. Remember, Star of Babel, Genesis 11, human beings decide to have their own way to God. They decide to have their own way to dominion, to build a tower that stretches to the heavens. God says, that's not my way of doing things. Have you ever read what Jesus said in Matthew 6.33? What did he say? Seek ye first. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. One more time. Do you know what it says in the Amplified? It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his way of being and doing right. God has got his ways of doing things. He's got systems which he's designed. This is the way I like things to be. When the Bible says yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, the kingdom there shows you that God has a government. He's got a way he likes things done. So you must not just want the presence of God. You must also want the ways of God. What made Moses greater than the other Israelites? What does the Bible say? They knew his works. Moses knew his ways. So ask your neighbor, do you know the ways of God? And what did Jesus say? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. On Sunday, uh, Pastor Cholo was preaching a message entitled, Jesus, the ultimate way. It blessed me. It changed the way I was praying. Do you know that the early church used to be called the way? You know that. That's the first name for the church. In case you thought the first name for the church was Catholic. It wasn't. It was the way. You can find that in the book of Acts. My God. And it says, I am the way. So, Jesus has the way of doing things. So, for, for us who are Christians... We were called Christians because we are people of the way. The way that we follow is Christ's way. That's why your lifestyle must be consistent with Christ. Because you are a person of the way. That's why your thought pattern must be consistent with Christ. Because you're a person of the way. Let's not change our sermon. Hallelujah. It's tempting. So, on her forehead, the name was written, Mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of abominations of the earth. So she introduces another way which is not Jesus. 
and already some people may not see it do you know that false Christs are already being preached the moment there is another messiah the moment there is another way to doing things the moment there is another way to eternity then that's a false Christ next verse I saw the woman drunk with blood with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus and when I saw her I marveled with great amazement uh-huh but the angel said to me why do you marvel i will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her which has the seven heads and the ten horns let's go on the beast you saw was and is and is not give me the next verse here is the mind which has wisdom the seven heads are the seven mountains on which the woman sits so this is where we get the seven mountains of influence So this harlot, this woman is sitting on seven mountains. She's sitting on seven systems. She's sitting on seven spheres of the way the world works. And so far we have discussed how many mountains? We discussed the mountain of religion. Religion is a very powerful tool. And we have to ensure that Christianity is the dominant religion. I know it's not a religion, but you know what I'm talking about. The second mountain we looked at was the mountain of family. and we're saying that the family is the primary integration into society so the way a family works is such that the things that you're going to teach a person is most likely how they'll relate with society and most people's issues are family issues as a matter of fact majority of witchcraft <laughs> let me not go there <laughs> but let's be honest majority of it has to do with family the first murder in the bible destabilized the family you'll be shocked sometimes unfaithfulness is the family you find somebody cheating on their wife with, or someone cheating on their husband with a family member don't let that happen to you The next one we looked at was the mountain of education and we showed how we have to have why we need to get educated as Christians and why we need to have dominion in the education sector and also become educators. I'm sure that left you with an extra incentive for your exams, not so. Those of you writing exams, you know that for you it's not just another exam. It's not just another paper. For you it's a fight. Hallelujah. Now today we are looking at the mountain of government the mountain of government come on the mountain of government where is natasha oh okay i'm very used to seeing her here <laughs> she's usually cheering yeah so where she is, she's not allowed we are looking at the mountain of government Okay. I can know this in the next 30 minutes. The mountain of government. Don't mind my small tour. I'm checking on those people who haven't been coming. I'm giving them looks they know themselves. Hallelujah. I'm glad to see you all. Okay. I'm also registering new faces. Good to see you. It's been a while. Okay. 
Make sure you come to my office after service, eh? Wait, you know who I'm joking to, not someone. Yeah. Good to see you. Okay. Some of you here look alike. You should check. You'll find me in the same family tree. I'm telling you. <laughs> I don't want to mention names. I know two you all look alike. Copy and paste. Okay. So we're looking at the mountain of government. Let's begin. There's stuff you're about to learn. Oh my. Okay. So now, what is a government? What is a government? A government is an organized system. An organized system of people that rules a particular territory. You can call that a government. Now, when we're looking at the mountain of government, I want us not just to have a macro perspective, like a large-scale perspective. I also want us to have a, a micro perspective. Because do you know that even just the family is a government? Hallelujah. Some of you, some gentlemen, just get yourself a nice chair. Call it the presidential chair. <laughs> it's that like you may approach your president. <laughs> Do elections once a year in the house and you, it's you who stands alone. <laughs> or maybe you stand against maybe a bottle of water. What would be funny is if the bottle of water won. <laughs> if it beats you in the election, that would be funny. So anyways, um, a government is generally, it's a system of rulership. It's a system of authority. So I want us to look at it from the big scale, the world regions, countries, societies, families, associations, clubs, all those are governments. There's some form of rulership. Even churches, they are governments. There's some form of rulership. I don't know if you're getting my point. Let's go on. And so we can broaden this system to include, like even on a national level, we can broaden it to include uh, politics. Politics includes both ruling parties, oppositions. They, are, they all have a big role to play in rulership because there are people who answer to them. So whether we're talking about ruling parties, we're talking that's in the case of a democracy. We're talking about opposition parties. We're talking about prominent figures in society. For example, the governor of the bank of Zambia is a very prominent figure. You may not vote for him, but he can make decisions that can change everything. You find the president of Laz is a very prominent figure because they can make a statement that can change everyone's thinking. So we can look even at people like activists. They are prominent figures. They shape, people look up to them. Uh, non-governmental organizations, all of them play a role in governing society. So I don't want us to just have a one-dimensional perspective. Hallelujah. Okay. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So praise the Lord. Okay. Now, for a long time, the church has been trained to sit in a corner 
and watch pagans rule us. Like our job is just to sit in a corner and pray. Don't be involved in anything. Don't be involved in elections at school. No me I'm just humble. I don't be a prefect. I'm just this humble person who doesn't bother anyone and isn't bothered by anyone. Yeah, also that humble person who's not involved in the affairs of everyone. I don't know if you're getting my point. There is something a believer must have a certain thirst for responsibility. Notice I didn't say a thirst for power. I've said a thirst for responsibility. I'm not saying you have to be at the top, but you have to be involved. A believer must have a thirst to be involved in the way the world runs. We may not all be politicians, but we can just something plain but we can all have an influence and then there are some people listening to me right now whose area is the political field it's the political field that's the area they're supposed to run that's the area they're supposed to have dominion on that's their pulpit that's their pulpit so I'm to give them this one they'll just start campaigning hallelujah we're going far Let's, let's go on. So, you're always complaining, hey, my school, hey, the systems are like this. Hey, the... Have you ever tried to take a position of authority, of responsibility? Yeah, at your workplace, there's the union. Are you involved? If you're eligible to be in a union, are you involved with it? Now, those of you who are joining me for the first time, I, I've always told the people, when you come here, I'm trying to shape mindsets. I'm trying to get people thinking a certain way. And the way I'm trying to get people thinking is not that you just come here so they can just, you know, throw blessings at you, throw a miracle, that one, that side, and that one, that one, that side. No, no. You're here for training because you've got work to do. Hallelujah. Let's go on. So for a long time, the church has been trained to sit in a corner and run away from government. And one of the reasons is because in the past, yes, is it true, have governments connived with churches to abuse people? Yes, it's true. In the past, maybe even in the present, generally in different places, governments have recognized the church as a powerful tool. There is a reason why before elections, politicians keep visiting churches. You know why? That's where the people are. I'm not saying all of them do it maliciously. You can't blame them. A politician has to go where there are people. That's where the people are. You know, I was thinking to myself about the development of our nation. And I was just thinking, if we could have a thousand pastors in Zambia thinking a certain way and talking a certain way every week, do you think would have Kadaism in Zambia? Because you would have shaped the mindset of the people. I'll tell you, some of the people you'd see doing some of the most unruly stuff go to church. That's why if you're listening to me, pastors, we need to, we need to pull up our socks. We've got, a huge role. We've got a huge role to play. People are a reflection of what they are taught. They're a reflection of the dominant voice in their life. That's what they are. So when, there were, for example, when there were those attacks in South Africa, my first question was, oh my... Do those people go to church? And if they go to church, what are they being told about it? 
And that's why I was waiting for pastors to stand up and say something. Okay, let's calm down. Hallelujah. So let's look at the scripture, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Are you aware that governments have been very instrumental in the spread of Christianity? Isaiah 9 verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So we are told the government shall be upon his shoulders. So the burden to lead, the burden to govern is on the shoulder, it's on his shoulders. And guess what? He is the head, we are the body. We must have a burden to lead. We must have a burden for government. We must have it. And so let me give you a few examples in history, just one or two, of how governments have been important in the spread of Christianity. One example. Every time one nation colonized another, they introduced their religion as the dominant one in that religion. Some of them thought they were using God. Little did they know that God was using them. God was using them. And now it's the Africans going to their nations to preach the gospel. They introduced us to God, then they've left him alone. Have you noticed that countries that were colonized by Christian countries have ended up having more Christians? You see that government was important there. There are countries that have got almost almost the entire percentage Christian. Countries like Madagascar, it's because missionaries went there and they built hospitals, they built schools and did all that. Government. There are some people who are of a certain religion simply because they were born in a country that propagates it. Government. So now let me give you an example. When Jesus Christ died. How many of you know that the Israelites were under the colonization of the Roman Empire? Israel was under the Roman Empire. How many of you are aware of that? The Empire of Rome was... The rest of you are not aware. Haven't you noticed Peter said, are you now going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Why? Because Israel was being ruled by the Roman Empire. That's why when... That's why Jesus could not be killed by the priests without permission from Pilate. Is it making sense now? Hallelujah. (laughs) Okay. Now, when Christianity began to spread, the persecution of Christianity increased. In the Bible, you notice, is it somewhere there in Acts chapter, is it chapter 11 or chapter 12, where King Herod seized James and had him killed and afterwards he seized Peter as well and wanted to have him killed so they were in a system where Christianity was seen as it it was seen as deviance it was seen as rebellion you know one of the reasons many books of the Bible were written this is where now you see the glory of God One of the reasons why people were writing books, why Luke wrote the book of Luke, why he wrote the book of Acts, they were writing it as a defense of Christianity. 
because it was being persecuted in that time. That's why he writes, okay, Theophilus, let me tell you now, this is why this is, this is why we do this, this is why we do this. And then in that period, there was an emperor, a very evil man. People thought he was the Antichrist. Like if you were to cut off his blood, you would find 666, that's his blood type. He was very evil. And his name, how many of you know him? Nero. You've heard of him? In 64 AD, what Nero did, allegedly, is that he started a fire in Rome and then blamed it on the Christians. So now everyone was angry at the Christians. And until the year 300, imagine from 64 to 300, there were at least four mass persecutions of Christians. They would get Christians. I'm sure... Don't you remember those old songs that used to come on TBN? Uh, you remember them, right? We may not necessarily agree with the person who sang them, but generally the content of the songs. Do you remember them? Oh, did you used to watch TBN when you were younger? Was it number Votra and Chabu? Bob Moraine. Remember? Remember uh, they show a dad and the child, and the dad says, Take care of your mom. You don't remember that? One by one. That was that period. What happened is they would get Christians, throw them in a stadium, and then release lions for their entertainment, and they'll start watching. And lions would tear them apart. Now, what angered Nero the most is that when they came and they would find the bodies away from the heads, most of the heads were found smiling. Hallelujah. Most of the heads were found smiling. There's a movie that came out, I think last year, called Paul the Apostle. It came out before the Black Panther, I think, or after. I went to watch it. I was blessed. I asked my leaders to go watch it as well. When they reached, they were told it's no longer showing because people have not been coming to watch. Where were you? You only go to the cinemas to watch... Avengers and, and whatnot. Get serious. When Christian movies come out, go watch them. Even just for the sake of their souls growing up. Are we clear? Dylan, are we clear? Okay. Not a monger. Okay. So, and where was I? They would get them, put them in dungeons. I'm told there was a period they started burning them on crosses. You know, Peter was crucified, eh? except he refused to be crucified like this. He thought, I can't be crucified the same way as Jesus, and decided to be crucified upside down. What did they, which Jesus did these people know? Which Jesus did they know? Eh? Because sometimes the one in people's heads today, the Jesus who can allow you to be seeing somebody else's husband and he understands because you know Jesus is a friend of sinners. The one these people met. I'm sure they would be asked, are you going to give him up? And they say, ah, you don't know what happened to me. And Peter remembers 
He was by the he was by the waters one day. It was just a normal day, couldn't catch fish. But then the day Jesus came. <laughs> Hallelujah. And something changed about their life. I don't know about you, but that's the Jesus I want to know. Which Jesus do you know? Because this which Holy Spirit do you have fellowship with? Because apparently what happened with these people is that when they were burning them on crosses, they would die singing. Imagine they are being burnt. Fire is coming. Then probably as the fire increases, it's just a little while longer and I'll see you. How do you think those people were received in heaven? How do you think they were received? Let me show you something. What does the Bible say about Jesus? Where is he? He's seated, right? What is he doing? He's seated. But let me show you something. Acts chapter number 7. What? You know, if you've noticed, these people had to die for the glory of God. They had to give up their lives so that God's name can be glorified. One of the reasons is because of the law of first fruit. They were the first fruit. The whole essence of the first fruit dying is so that everything else can be preserved. When you get to heaven, say thank you. They are good people. On the other hand, if they died, then we must maximize living. Let their death not be in vain. We must live to the fullest of the gospel. We must tell them, because of what you did, look at where we are now. Look at how much we spread it. We decided to live to the fullness. Paul called himself a first fruit. They were a first fruit so that we can live. That's why you'll find there may not be many martyrs now, but there are people who've chosen to live for Christ. Amen. But I want us just to see something. Um, Verse 56. Acts 7 verse 56. This is Stephen. He was the first martyr recorded in the Bible. And I want us to see this. Stephen said, look! Let me start from verse 55. Those of you who don't believe in the Trinity of God, this verse will show you. But being full of the Spirit, he gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Interesting enough, Jesus was not seated. He was not seated. If you had to ask me, I've got two, two reasons why I think he was not seated. Number one, my goodness, he was being persecuted. Do you remember he came to Paul and said, why do you persecute me? Then he said, it is hard to kick against the gods. Then, another reason is, this is my, my, my thought, maybe he was welcoming him. <laughs> Somebody dying a death like that, living their lives for God like that. The Son of God stood up. The guy got a standing ovation from Jesus. Standing ovation. Look at the next verse. And he said, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Go on. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. This was crowd behavior for those who've done sociology. Uh Uh-huh, next verse. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. 
And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Hallelujah. May God change more souls to pause. How of you know what I'm talking about? And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. The Lord Jesus received his spirit. Uh-huh. And he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. My God, this challenges me. Someone does like a small thing to you. When I could when walking, hey, step on me by mistake, die by correction. <laughs> Come on, guys. Ah, we need to get a bit serious there. Stephen, on the other hand, says, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. Like, don't, don't. So you can imagine in heaven, the prayers of Stephen, you can find that's what preserved so. says don't charge them with this thing you know you're a believer you know God watches out for you learn to intercede sometimes for people didn't the Bible say pray for your enemies pray for those that persecute you so some, some people here you've been treated badly in workplaces you've been treated badly in all these things now I'm not saying tolerate someone treating you badly and whatnot. but what I'm just trying to say is there are certain moments where you just realize, okay, this battle, no. Just, okay, Lord, just forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What if they were to die right now? What would happen to their children who would pay their school fees? So sometimes just be a compassionate person. You know, I've not even gotten to my topic. <laughs> what's wrong with me? Hallelujah. It's what's right, eh? Okay. So where were we? So what I'm trying to say is that the church was heavily persecuted. Then in the year 300 AD, the year 300 AD, or is it the year 313 AD, a man called Constantine was appointed the emperor of Rome. And this emperor of Rome converted to Christianity. Think about this. Thousands of people had converted before him, maybe even millions. But there was something about one man converting that changed the world as we know it. The moment he converted to Christianity, he banished the persecution against Christianity. One man. How come he was able to do that? He was in government. He was the emperor. He banished persecution against Christianity and decided that Christianity was going to become the official Roman religion official religion of Rome, of the entire Roman Empire. He may have had this one or two things. For example, he wanted it to be all-embracing. He wanted to market Christianity differently, not as something that's a sect or as a cult, but something that's universal. So he decides Christianity will be the official Roman religion, and so we'll call it the Roman Catholic Church. That was a governmental decision. What am I trying to say? We wouldn't be where we are today had God not used the government of Rome. We wouldn't be where we are. We would still be running away had God not used the government. That shows you that government has always been a tool in the hands of God. Have you ever seen the scripture that says, Cyrus, my anointed? Who's ever seen it? King Cyrus, my anointed, right? You've seen it before? 
Do you know that he wasn't even born again, but he was a tool that God used? Another example of government being used. During that period of the Roman Empire, like I said, I've said it before, I don't hold it against. There was a lot of ignorance in that period. So it was believed that a Bible should not be found in the hands of a common man. A Bible could only be found in a temple and the Bible was in Latin because remember the Bible was written in Greek and Hebrew and then most of it was translated to Latin and in Latin we call it what? The Receptus Textus. Not so. Come on, remember that. Hello, are you there? Okay. So now, in that period, if you want to know how Protestantism started, Protestantism was started by a Catholic priest. A Catholic priest named Martin Luther. He's one of the fathers of Protestantism. There are other people, but he's one of the fathers of it. Martin Luther read the Bible for himself and he found 95 things that he felt their church was doing wrong. So in those days, if you wanted a meeting, you write down certain things on a paper, leave it on a door, then people will come for a public debate. So he wrote down 95 things and set them up for public debate. One of them had to do with salvation by grace. That was not being taught then. So he wrote them down and put them there. And that's how the people who became his followers and that church was called the Lutheran Church. Hallelujah. Just a little bit of history here and there. So now, in that period, it was illegal to translate the Bible. There are people who translated the Bible. They were trying to translate it to other languages. They burnt them up. They called them blasphemous. Being blasphemous was a sin, but it was a crime. It was punishable by stoning. If you want to get a little bit more, read Fox's books of martyrs, read God's generals, the one that talks about martyrs. Now, one man escaped to another empire the time when the Britons began their empire and the Britons wanted their church to be different from I'm just giving you a bit of political history they wanted their church to be different from the Roman Empire so they wanted the Church of England to be different that's why you notice that as the Catholic is in Rome the Anglican is in they wanted something different and while there there's a There is is a committee of people who had translated the Bible, but it needed governmental permission. So there was a king called King James, and he decided to authorize the translation to English. That's how come you and I today can have Bibles in our hands. And that's why the most prominent and the most prominent English Bible is called the King James Authorized Version. It's not King James who wrote it. It's not King James who translated it. King James authorized it. That shows you the power of government. That shows you the power of government. So all those are examples of how God has used government to spread this thing. You know, till today, the monarchy benefits from the sale of Bibles. Oh, (laughs) let's go. So now, why... Should Christians be in government? Another one I can give you is also the declaration of Zambia as a Christian nation. The declaration of Zambia as a Christian nation. You know, people may say, hey, this, 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 but I'll tell you something. It shaped the way Zambians think. 
Haven't you noticed that in Zambia, if people are trying to destroy someone's reputation for them standing for office, they just have to start a rumor about their Christianity. Because it's shaped the way we think. Haven't you noticed that everyone is somewhat judged by standards which are gotten from the Bible? It's shaped the way we think. Hallelujah. Somebody say glory. glory. That's why, does it, oh, okay, have, you know, I have watched, let's say, lectures from other places and the like. Does it surprise you that you can have a university today in Zambia and they're graduating people and the first thing that happens is an opening prayer? It's the way the nation has been trained to think. Does it surprise you that you can have a senior professor come in and he says, you see, God gave us these abilities. Have you noticed the word there? God gave us these abilities. It's rare. You ca- countries like Zambia, you don't find someone coming and say, you know, the universe always... Be- no, no, no. There's always... There's a thought of God. There's at least a thought of God. Even when you go to the bars, sometimes you hear them playing gospel music. Sometimes at funerals, the most drunk person will be advising you, just trust in God. Why? Because there's a way we've been shaped to think. And for us to be shaped to think that way, there was something governmental. There was some governmental action. Somebody say glory. Let's go on. So let's read a few points. But first, let's look at Proverbs 29 verse 2. Why should, why should we seek to be in authority in different spheres? Proverbs 29 verse 2. The Bible says, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a, wicked, when a wicked man rules, the people groan. So when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. As righteous people, we must seek to be in different spheres of authority. At that workplace that you're at, everybody's always complaining. Maybe it's you who should be the union president. Maybe it's you who should be president of the union. Because for you, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your heart. That's the way your heart runs. So generally, I'm talking about leadership. And what I'm saying is that when the righteous are in authority, listen, even if let's say you have a nation, let's say, for example, the way a nation runs, um, sometimes our focus can be on one man, but I, I really don't want our focus to be on that because no one runs the nation alone. They will run a nation with a cabinet. That cabinet will have cabinets within its cabinets. you find their municipalities in different places. Even if, let's say, for example, from the top, it's released. Uh, 500,000 should go towards education. How that 500,000 will be spent might actually be dependent on the chief of finances in this and this, of this and this, of this and this in Northern Province. So when I'm talking about leadership, I'm talking about generally all spheres. I'm talking about taking responsibility as people. We must be people who don't just see privileges, but we see responsibility. Hallelujah. Okay, let's go on. So, what do governments do primarily? What do governments do? Number one, they create laws. Number one, they create laws. This is why believers must be in government, because believers must be involved in the creation of laws. Believers must be involved in the debates over what laws we live by. God has given us, has given human beings free will to set our boundaries and to set our freedoms freedoms and boundaries we usually determine them and 
the freedoms and the boundary are usually determined by the dominant belief in that society. So for example, if I put, if we have 50 atheists taking over, then don't be surprised if certain laws start being enacted in this nation. Well, the Christians are in church praying. If all the Christians are not voting, and only others are voting, then don't be surprised if they vote for what you don't want, then afterwards you complain. Believers must be involved in the lawmaking process. Let's look at a scripture. Romans 13 verse 2. I want us to see something. This will will help with your thinking, by the way. The Bible says, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Uh Uh-huh. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you have praise for the same. What does this mean? Do you know, for example, you know, there are people who ask, okay, uh, pastor, if I am a believer, can I be in the law enforcement agencies? What if one day there's a criminal and the law demands that I shoot them? Will God punish me for that? No. The person being in a position of a criminal and doing what they are doing means that at that point, the law is executing judgment on them. And the law is executing judgment on them through the person. The only way that biblically you can be in a wrong position is if you are doing the same crimes because by the law by which you judge, that's the law you'll be judged by. So it's not... It's, it's, it's not... It's not... Mr. Table, who's shot the thief? It's the law who's shot the thief. That's why the Bible is saying, rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good. Go back, verse 2. Therefore, whoever resists authority resists the ordinance of God. So, I'll tell you something. If today, people are going about robbing houses, raping women, doing all those things, and they are to be in a fire, let's say, with the police, and they are shot. God has judged them. It's a judgment from God. And he's used the law to judge them. Hey, hallelujah. Why has it gone so quiet? That's a judgment from God, and he's used the law to do so. So do you now see why Christians must be involved in the creations of laws? So that we ensure that the laws are consistent with how God wants societies to be run. The Bible says righteousness and justice are foundations of the throne. Laws must be created and enacted in such a way that they don't, widows are not disadvantaged, orphans are not disadvantaged. Those who are underprivileged get their fair share of the national cake. Hallelujah. That's why we must be involved. We must be involved. We must be involved in policy making. We must be involved. And remember last week we talked about education. If you are not, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, <laughs> get it from me. I am telling you, unless for opening prayers, they will not come and get you at because you're speaking a lot of tongues. No, that's not why they'll get you. You need to make yourself relevant. Put yourself in a position of relevance that you'll be picked. That's what happened with Daniel. Listen. Daniel was not chosen because he was prophetic. 
Daniel was chosen because he was a child G. Hallelujah. For those of you not from Onza, Charge means a person who charges their phone. Uh, okay, a charge. I hear they've changed. It's now called a tamandani. Is that true? <laughs> I like the way it's accepted. I hear, I hear this guy is a charge. Is that true? Senior charge. <laughs> okay, hallelujah. Daniel was chosen because he used to get A's. And in his getting A's, he found himself in a platform where the gift could manifest. Hallelujah. That's why when Daniel was writing tests with the other guys, God had no choice but to make Daniel 10 times better. There's a way Daniel would write the tests. I don't know if somebody is getting my point. Because he had to be relevant. Number two, government is involved in running the economy running the economy. Now, economy, is, is, that simply has to do with managing the resources, eh? which are usually scarce. The resources of the nation. Okay, Zambia has a million tons of copper. They've got a million tons of maize, a million tons of this. How can we manage the resources in such a way that as a nation we are prospering? And not only are we prospering as a nation, but every person is seeing an improvement in their life by virtue of their prosperity. That's why you add development now to economics. Everyone is experiencing an improvement by virtue of that prosperity. How can we do that? Now, why do we need Christians there? Because Christians ideally should have a heart for the people. Isn't it that we are known by our love? A Christian ideally should be bothered that certain things are not working for people. A Christian ideally, if he's minister of education, a Christian ideally, if you are in a position of authority, you know, sometimes you, you find it funny. You find here is somebody in a position of authority. They have access to an education allowance but they still get 50 scholarships for their children. When there are 50 people somewhere, tell your neighbor, that can't be me. I don't know if somebody is getting my point. By virtue of being in authority, you'll get some privileges. Let's be honest. There's, you've, you've got access to information before others. You've got access to opportunities before others. And what I'm trying to say, because I know a lot of people listening to me. Some of you are here. Some of you are listening to me through audio. Some of you are, listening to, are watching me through video. Some may be listening five years from now. If you get into a position of authority, use it to benefit people. And I'll tell you something. If you use it to benefit people, the school of life teaches that if you are ever out of authority, those people will take care of you. Ask Nelson Mandela. Hallelujah. Some may forget, but I'm telling you a day of remembrance comes. God himself will reward you. So if you find yourself in a position of authority, sacrifice yourself as a leader ensure that people are taken care of so there's the aspect of the economy when it comes to the economy you can't i want you to look at a certain man of god in the bible who did something great with the economy first kings 10 27 first kings 10 27 look at what the bible says the king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones, and he made cedar trees as abundant as the sycamores which are in the lowland. Question, was King Solomon rich? Yes. 
But have you noticed that it wasn't just about enriching himself. He ensured that silver was common in his land. In, in, in King Solomon's time, silver was not lacking. So we must have the burden to spread what they call the national cake. If the nation's GDP has increased by 20%, we must have a burden to spread the receiving of that 20%. Is somebody getting my point? And like I said, for me, I'm looking at leadership. And leadership, I'm not pointing to one person, I'm pointing to all of us. Because we are all leaders in our own regard. There are things that give me burdens in this nation of Zambia. One of the things that gives me burdens is, those who've driven with me, there are certain places that give me burdens. One of them is Kafuri. I feel we can do a lot better with Kafuri. Kafuri can boom. Kafuri can boom. I've been thinking, as a developmental analyst, what can we do? What, what can we set in motion that can just cause it to boom? All these things you're seeing here were just bushes until certain industries were set in motion. And you know when an industry comes in, it attracts other industries. For example, you set up a pineapple industry in Winilunga. People go there. The people need hospitals. Someone who come... Cre- then they say, oh, the people need schools. Before you know it, there's a trust school. It's benefiting everyone in the community. Before you know it, we want a play park. Before you know it, you've got a city. There's always a ripple effect. Can you imagine? This place was once a bush until someone decided, let's set up our downs here. This place was owned by Venemalusaka. Until someone decided that. So, oh, it's the Mandani Malusaka. Anyways, you see, even the sun name is completely honest. Think about this. You know, another place I've got a burden for Kawe. My goodness, Kawe can develop. Woo. But you know, the place I've got the biggest burden for Livingston. I'm telling you, there is a way we can make our tourist capital such that the tourism will not just be from outside. As in from Lusaka, we'll all be saying, ha, we need to rest. Let's go to Livingston. And you can, you can, you can build it around activities. Because I watch a lot of documentaries on different nations. I'm telling you, there are nations that are making serious money through tourism. Some of those places are not even as nice. What they've just done is that they've just maximized on just little things. You know, there are places that make money just through climbing mountains. They've just set up nice industries around climbing mountains. Do you know how many nice places we have in Northern Province? Do you know how many nice places we have in Wapu? That's where we need to start thinking collectively. What can we do to live a better Zambia? That's where we all need to collectively start thinking. Okay, let's go on. Think about people like Joseph. People of God, there are times when leaders, I know because I'm a leader, there are times when leaders tried, it just caught them offside. There are times they do not foresee certain things. If it was true that generally just by virtue of being a leader or by virtue of being knowledgeable, you foresee certain things, then there wouldn't have been that recession in, their, in, in America where billionaires lost money. Sometimes you just need to see a vision. Hallelujah. <laughs> Sometimes it's important to just commune with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is in the future and he's in the past. Have you noticed in the Bible, have you ever seen the scripture about a prophet named Agabus? 
the Bible says there was a prophet named Agabus. That's in the New Testament. And he saw that there would be a famine. So they prepared for that famine. And as much as they had the euporio, as much as they had the means, they put their finances together and they were sending relief to Jerusalem because they saw it in advance. Haven't you seen in the scriptures about a man named Joseph? He saw, the king saw a famine. Pharaoh saw a famine. Joseph interpreted it. After Joseph gives spiritual interpretation, he then begins to give some economics and development studies. Notice that. He begins to tell them, so this is what we can do. Right now, let us save this. And then let us do this. And then let us do it like this. And what did Pharaoh do? Pharaoh gave Joseph governmental authority. And he said, okay, you are in charge. Do this, 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 this. But before you knew it, there was so much abundance that they could even sell. And that's what saved the nation of Israel. Now, imagine a case where as prophetic as you are. Hallelujah. As prophetic as you are, you are in the strategy meeting. And then people may not understand you, but like Stephen, God gives you wisdom that can't be resisted. Somehow when you speak, even if a person is Pharaoh, Pharaoh will say, this guy makes sense. Even if a person is Nebuchadnezzar, you say, this guy has sense. I don't know if you are getting my... Oh, by the way, if you are going to be such kind of a person, prepare to have enemies. Ask Daniel. Oh, but you serve a God. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you've got the greatest connection. And you know what Daniel did? As governmental as he was, he kept on his practices of praying five times a day. He kept on his spiritual side. He was always in tune. Do you know Daniel was such a servant that he even served Nebuchadnezzar's son? If you're going to be in leadership, you must have the heart of a servant. He didn't just serve the father. He served the son. Because if not you, then who? Haven't you read about Esther in the Bible? Have you noticed that what Esther did was governmental? She petitioned on behalf of the Jews because she had an audience that the other people did not have. There are some people right now, you've got the gift of access. There are people you've got access to that other people may not have access to. Speak on behalf of the people. What did Mordecai tell Esther? He says, it's for such a reason. Perhaps maybe this is why God gave you this access. Maybe God made you Queen Esther, not just because you are putting on makeup and slaying. Maybe he didn't just make you Queen Esther so you've got all the access to the beauty products. Perhaps the reason, Esther, that he gave you access to the king is so that when the time is right, you can speak for the Jews. Hallelujah. May you remember these words when you are sleeping in that bed. I pray may, may, may this hit someone as a burden. Let's go on. We need, I'll tell you this, every nation has values. It's got a dominant belief system. And by nation, I don't just mean countries. I mean even Unzadesa. I mean, even your workplace. Why do you think your workplace goes to make donations? It shows that there they, are certain values they are putting. Where do you think they got those values from? So when we've got spiritual people in charge, you'll notice that values are maintained. You've got a role to ensure that values 
I'm in danger. Let me say one or two statements that I'm done. Oh my. Oh glory. Can I continue next week? Uh, hallelujah. I'll have to continue next week because what I want to say next will provoke another statement which provoke another statement and another one. But here's my point to you. Let me leave you with a scripture just to get you thinking. Do you know that Satan Satan wants to attack leaders? You know if you're not praying for leaders that's lack of humility. Okay. Acts <laughs> Acts 13 verse 6 to 8. Acts 13 verse 6 to 8. The Bible says when they had gone through the island to Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar Jesus. Next verse. Uh-huh. Who was with Proconsul Sergius Paulus? What's funny? What's funny about Proconsul? Sorry. Am I becoming this funny that even when I don't get it? An intelligent man who was with the proconsul an intelligent man. So this was a prominent man. The man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. Next verse. But Elymas the sorcerer for for his name is translated withstood them seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Why was he aiming for the proconsul? Why wasn't he aiming for the people? Next verse. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him. Some of you may not know. There are people who believe that in the New Testament there are no such judgments. This is the New Testament and this is the man who, this is the apostle of grace. This is what the apostle of grace did. Hallelujah. Next verse. And said, "Oh fool of oh deceit and oh fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord?" Next verse. Now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you. and you shall be blind not seeing the sun for a time he was even nice and immediately a dark mist fell on him and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand one of these days when we teach on spiritual authority i will teach you this side of it there is a side for tolerating but there is a side where ah uh, Ah there's a side Listen if Paul had allowed this man to maintain it's not just that man who wouldn't have come to Christ the whole nation the whole city would have been trouble Better one man next verse The proconsul believed when he saw what had been done So what caused the proconsul to believe is when he saw that this false prophet had been judged 
That's why I've said there's a side to be nice, especially with people who step on your leg. Like you're walking, they've stepped on your leg. Now, a false prophet that shows you was using spiritual means and incantation. The, the problem with taking the battle to the spiritual realm is that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. <laughs> Hallelujah. In the flesh, just don't come at a spiritual man in the spiritual world. Because there his weapons are not carnal. But they are mighty in God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo. Woo. They will tell you, I'm going to introduce you to two fists. One is named Exusia. The other one is Dunamis. <laughs> okay. Let's go on. Look at the next verse. Now, you notice that when this man believed, there was a breakthrough. So some of the biggest breakthroughs will come when certain big people believe. That's why the devil is after them and then we are not praying for them. Next week, I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you how we perform our priestly functions. The priestly functions, whether you're in opposition or whether you are in ruling party, your spirit is in neither. Okay? Jesus was asked... Uh, Jesus was asked, saying, no, actually, the captain of the Lord's horse, remember, he was asked, which side are you on? And he said, neither. So you are on God's side, eh? Hallelujah. So your spirit man is on God's side. Well, in the physical, you can, you've got the right to belong to a political party. Your spirit man should pray regardless of who's in power. Should pray for the opposition. Pray for the rulers. Pray for this. Pray for that. Pray for that. Pray for that. Make sure you're always praying. But then there are other functions as well. So we're going to take an in-depth look in those next week. Hallelujah. Um, I'll tell you something. Before Esther went to approach the king, she told Mordecai, go tell the people to fast. She knew she needed spiritual things. Come on. uh, You know people who are in politics. You know this person is going to have that meeting. And if they have that meeting, it can change the life of students as we know it. They know that if that meeting goes successfully, someone won't have to stay in the village. They can have an opportunity to go to school. They are worth praying for. So praise God that you pray for me. Now I'm also telling you to pray for political figures. You know that that president of your union, if that negotiation goes successfully, everyone's salary is raised. That will be the reason someone will go to school. That will be the reason someone will pay their rentals. That will be the reason someone won't be hungry. Then you can pray for them, whether you like them or not. Have I got a new thinking today? But we are going to take time to do that. And if there is somebody in this place and you've been sensing a calling in the political arena, I want to tell you that calling is very spiritual. It's very biblical. Some of the prophets in the Bible, their domain was the political arena. That, that, that was the domain for Daniel. That was the domain for Joseph. And I'll tell you something. Jesus is coming back as king of kings. Surely he needs to have kings. He's coming back as king of kings. Jesus is the ultimate leader. He's the ultimate ruler. So don't be afraid of responsibility. Don't be afraid take on these things hallelujah I pray may we produce leaders 
not just in this church, but as a body of Christ, may we produce leaders in Jesus' name. Okay, we'll finish this next week. I think that's when I'll even pray for those who've got a desire in that area. How many of you have been blessed? I would like every eye closed. Please prepare the communion. I would like every eye closed. I've got a question for you. Is there somebody in this place who is not under the government of heaven? By that I mean you are not saved. You've not given your life. I want to tell you something. God loves you. And he wants you to come under his rulership today. You may have been ruling yourself. You may have been ruled by the devil. You may have lived a bad life. But today everything can change. If you're listening to me and you're saying, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus. Or perhaps you could be saying, I've been walking in this path, but I turned away from it. And I just want to come back. So if you're listening to me today and that's what you're saying, I want you to lift your hands. And I want you to say after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross. You were buried and you rose again. I give you my life. I am now under your government. Amen. I want to just keep your hands lifted for a minute. From my mother's womb. Now, in the name of Jesus, I pray be filled with your mother's womb. You have chosen me. You are filled with the Holy Spirit today. Love has called Jesus name. my name. The name of I've Jesus. I've been born I'm again. Your blood flows through my veins. In the name of from my mother's womb, from my mother's womb, you have chosen me and love. Somebody give God the glory.